we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It is Lakers Fast Break University. We truly appreciate you watching and listening, as always, and attending class right here at Lakers History 101. Welcome back to the just the awesome place to be for all of your learning and all of the experience that you've had over the course of the last school session over the course of the past few months. It is Lakers Fast Break University. It is the dean of all university studies, Gerald Glassford. Truly appreciate you watching and listening. Like I said, please go ahead and check us out. And of course, please, all students are required, or at least we like to tell you that, but we are required to go ahead and hit the subscribe button, the little Professor Joe Soro right there on the right-hand side of your YouTube screen, or go ahead and like on Facebook. Do anything you can to go ahead and help us out at the Lakers Fast Break. And in return, you'll get a passing grade from us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. I truly appreciate all of our students forming into class right now, grabbing their desks, grabbing their seats. Intel Wise says a burden for you in the right spot, of course. Okay, Intel. I don't know if that's too descriptive or descriptive enough, but you know what? We're going to go ahead and give you an A for creativity on that one. But it is Lakers Fast Break University, Lakers History 101. I'm here along with my outstanding professor, one of our tenured professors indeed. You've got to go ahead and check him out today. It's Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. And, of course, the company that he owns on the side of outside of his teachings, of course, it is Simblades, SimblatesWithAWide.com. It is Joe Sorrow and Joe, Professor, great to have you here, my friend. It's been an outstanding school year, but it's coming down to final exams. And what a better way to go ahead and associate the final exams other than just going ahead and being able to give out a final exam on what other than none other than the NBA finals itself. So I ask you, my friend, as we go ahead into this conversation, because I know in our preceding days, we'll be talking about all the rumors, all the innuendo, all the stuff that's going on, the latest NBA news. But for now, with the NBA finals recently ending, we know that the Lakers have been fortunate to be on that end where Denver is now 16 more times than they have with the 17 total championships. I wanted to go ahead as far as your last symposium of the school year to talk about exactly the finals runs, which really connect with you most, sir. For the Lakers, the ones that resonate, obviously, are the ones that were of this century, because that's my memory. That's me being an adult, coherent enough to understand the games and the series and the culture of L.A. basketball, L.A. Laker basketball. I don't think it's too out of place to say that the 2010 finals was probably the most important win being that it was against our arch rival the Boston Celtics well would you say that's more important than the first Mm -hmm. title victory over the Boston Mm -hmm. Celtics yes how so oh wait oh I'm sorry I I thought you were going to say the 2000 uh no nothing will be bigger than the first one in terms of the Celtics Uh, And the way they ended that series in 1985 was even more of a stamp in eliminating the the hearse. You have now scored an F, Gerald. Oh, absolutely not correct. If if, if it could go, as a matter of fact, since your name is Gerald, it'll be worse. Wait, wait, wait. What is that? I am the dean of this university, my friend. I was there when you have created a new letter at the ESPN. You have created a new letter in your grade system. It's G, as in worse than an F. Uh, no, no, nothing is worse than a G. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I will tell you, my friend, it is the Lakers fast break. I wanted to ask you this, though. Why does 2010 connect with you so much? I felt that that was going to be the end of the run. And not too many people understood what that meant, even myself at the time. But I remember there was a sense of relief when they won that series. It was a series that was very similar to 1998 Bulls, um, 1988 Lakers, 
it was a spent title. You could see everyone was tired. The Lakers in 1988 won three series in a row. They swept the first round 3-0, and then they went seven games in the semifinals, seven games in the Western Conference Finals, and then seven games against Detroit on their way to winning that back-to-back title, which was the first time a team had went back-to-back in 20 years. You could – I wasn't – I was – Sort of there on those, but not. I don't really consider myself invested at that time. I was 10 years old. I just had gotten into baseball. That was kind of my sport at the time. Uh, but when you look at the games, I have watched the games. I do have the games available, the actual games, not the highlights. And you could see they were spent. 2010, it was very, very similar to that in that they had gone three straight years to the finals and the West is not, was not, is or was not the East. The Lakers getting to the finals in the West when you were playing eight seeds that had won 50 games, the the competition was immense. And Kobe, uh, I believe he still holds the record for most playoff series wins uh, against 50-win teams. But it, in that series, though, there were 2010, you had the Lakers. You're right. Uh, Boston only was in two of those finals, as opposed to the Lakers, who were all three of those finals with one loss and two victories. Yeah, we lost. See, we, we you lost. can see in that game seven, it was it was a matter of attrition. And, and it was it wasn't just, yeah, it wasn't just the Lakers. The Celtics, uh, Kevin Garnett had been interviewed about it years ago. And he said they couldn't move. That was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. If you're talking about if you're talking about basketball, watching it, it's just somebody random that's not Lakers or Celtics uh, preferential treatment as far as their what they do as far as their fandom is concerned. You could just see it was just not a pretty game to watch. And it was probably Kobe's worst offensive output. Well, there was a game in De- in Detroit that was bad where he scored six points. So that that yeah. was probably his worst. Uh, the good thing is he did make up for. He rebounded quite well. He rebounded quite well. He still had the game high in terms of points. He still had more points than anyone in the game, which was 23. But Kobe, Kobe willed himself and willed his team, as well as Pau Gasol, as well as Ron Artest. They all won the game. Uh, Fish hitting that three to tie the game late in the fourth. This is a team sport. This is how it works. And everybody played their part, and the Lakers were able to, to make it through and Put a stamp on the 2000s as Kobe's, to me, Kobe is the player of the 2000s. Shaq has some room there, but I think Shaq kind of got caught into two different decades. He was dominant the last, well, he was dominant since he came in the league. Uh, But let's just say the first, the last half of the 90s and the first half of the 2000s, you could say that Shaq kind of had that. Uh, he started to go off a steep cliff. After he, he, he started to go in 07. Yeah. He started to go to 07. And the NBA implementing the zone in 2002, or at the end of the 2002 season, eliminated his prime probably a year or two earlier. I believe more so than his decision to have toe surgery late, I believe the zone being implemented that offseason actually probably cost the Lakers the title, a four-peat, uh, which only adds to the to the disdain I have for David Stern until this day. Uh, it's it's not just the, co- the the Knicks veto trade. David Stern has 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 been he's done so many things to hold back the Lakers, where for 14 years he did everything he could to enhance Michael Jordan's run which always puzzled me now could it have been the Shaq was too dominant was he the Will Chamberlain of our time where they had to extend the paint blah 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 to make things fair uh, that's a debate for another time and I don't know if Colorado had anything to do with the fact that Kobe never really ever got to getting supported by the league, at least for that middle part of the 2000s. Um, but anyways, the 
the, the three title runs that I mentioned, 88, 98, and 2010, those three finals uh, series, one happened to be the Bulls, obviously, they were spent. They were spent. You could see it. And I knew in 2010 that was likely going to be the last run, the last title. But I didn't know at the time. It was more of a a relief feeling, which made me, it, it, looking back on it, I just it felt like when they lost the Dallas, I was like, yeah, man, I, I kind of sort of felt this the year before that they they, they were spent. Look at how, how Pau Gasol played in that series. And then they ended up playing even worse in 2012 uh, with, with Mike Brown having actually a pretty darn good game plan. We had some really good coaches. Steve Clifford was on that team uh, as an assistant. Um, Snyder was on that, on that team. I mean, they, they were, they were pretty good. Uh, but at some point you start hitting the wall and then, and, and Kobe start hitting the wall. Then he did make a little bit of a comeback in 2014, 2013, I should say, but we all know how that ended. Um, yes. and that's kind of, that's kind of how I, that, that played out. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. Welcome to Lakers Fast Break University for final exams on the NBA Finals. It's Gerald Glassford, Dean of All University Studies, along with our tenured professor, Professor Joe Soro of LakersBall.com, and of course, everything that he does at Simblades, SimblatesWithTheWide.com. Don't forget our fellow trustee members, Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, and of course, Jamie Sweet. They are available at Lakerholics.com. Our good friend, Stone Hansen, go ahead and check him out. He is hard at work on his symposium on the NBA draft. Go ahead and check him out today at the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. Also as well, our good friend, John McCallion on YouTube. So please go ahead and support all these great causes. Plus, follow us on social media. And of course, if you have not yet liked and subscribed, please go ahead and do so to get the latest notifications of when we go live on the air. Tomorrow and Friday, we may be going on the air with more news, more information. There's always scuttlebutt and rumors on today's players, such as Bradley Beal, Zion Williamson, the NBA Draft, so much more. So go ahead and check it out by subscribing today, wherever you get your podcast. But my friend, it is Lakers Fast Break University. So that really stands out to you there. What about the notion that Celtics will live and die off this is? And I know your answer already as soon as I'm saying it, but Kendrick Perkins, who we see as a blowhard these days, just got blah, 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 blah. But he was a role player for the Celtics at the time. He did, what, break his leg, I think is what he did. Yeah, Torres Neal. Uh, I'm sorry, the ACL, that's right, because uh, all I know is that whole leg was bandaged up when I saw him at the ESPN zone the next day, uh, at, right there when I was going to E3 at that time. I will say, though, that uh, you know he did provide some rebounding and some stiff defense interior-wise, but other than that, he didn't give you much else, but what do you say about the notion that a knee injury by Kendrick Perkins was the key to the Celtics not getting that title and the Lakers did? So I'm saying I've just I just don't think that's even the case. I'll do I'll do you one better. Uh, give us Bynum healthy in 2008 and see what the results of that series would have been. Agreed. There you go. So if you're going to bind him healthy in 2010. Uh, I don't see the Lakers losing an 08 if there's a healthy Bynum. Healthy Bynum is is a little bit of a paradox. <laughs> I don't know if there's such a thing as a healthy was that Bynum. the was that was that the knee injury after the one that rolled uh, Kobe rolled hit on him in Indiana. Kobe rolled on his knee in 09. 08 okay. was Lamar Odom. Okay, that was the first. Okay, yes. Yeah. Notice they're caused by our own players as opposed to both the in, in Memphis too. Yeah, I was watching both games. Okay, so there you go. Absolutely, there. Uh, obviously, you wanted, you wanted history, Laker one on one. You're getting it. There you go. And so, I didn't look anything up, so you know that I know my shiznit. Well, if that's the case, Professor, then if you've got that going on <laughs> with with Andrew Bynum, and obviously it's needed. I'll tell you this here. I'll tell you this. You guys want to play the injury game? Give me Magic Johnson and Byron Scott in '89. Give me Worthy and Byron Scott in '91. Give me Worthy in 1983. And give me a healthy Carl Malone, Horace Grant, Rick Fox, and 
not a one-legged Derek Fisher in 04, and let's play that game, and we'll see what the results would be. Part Which of the do you game, think is the most crucial? Which do you think is the Lakers injury? I know they're all big. I know they're the, all... worst, the worst injury? Yeah, I th- I'd think i say worthy in 83. I remember no, that clearly. No, no, the worst one. To me, it's one worthy in 83. The worst one was Magic in 89. I'd say worthy in 83. I think the game we, 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 we could have three-peated to finish that decade. It's it, – we – I focus on the losses, unfortunately. That's just how uh, the brain operates. There was, as as great as the 80s were, as great as the 2000s were, the two losses in each decade, in, in those decades, one the two that really obviously stand out are, are 89 and 84, 04 and 08. And I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll start with the 84. One bad pass by Worthy cost us that that cha- that championship, and and what it, it would be a, it, the way history changes for the Lakers and Celtics is immense off of one bad pass, and that pass should not happen. Those are gimmies. That's like dropping a, a, a sack fly, or I should say a, a fly ball, and you're going to end the World Series, right? That's that's how I looked at it. You're not losing that series, winning in Boston in the in both first games. You're not losing that series after that. So the Lakers lost a finals against the Celtics, which would have given Magic 3-0, actually 4-0 against Larry Bird, if you count the NCAA championship. The Lakers are sitting at 18 titles. The Celtics are sitting at 16. The Lakers have six titles in the 80s, the most competitive era of basketball in my in my book. And, and that's just winning 84. You win 89 uh, with a healthy magic. Everyone was talking about how great the Pistons were. They were due. I beg to differ. If you give me a healthy Byron Scott and, J- and, and Magic Johnson, that, that series could, could go either way. If they win that one, they send Cap into retirement in a three-peat, and he has seven championships. Magic has, uh, I'm sorry, eight championships. Magic has seven to end that that decade. Uh, the Lakers three-peat. The Lakers are sitting with 19 titles versus 16. It, it's, it's, it's the greatest basketball decade, even more so than the Celtics, in my opinion, when they were winning eight in a row and 11 of 13. So that's kind of how that could have played out. 2000. I think I've talked about this a few times. Kobe's seat next to Jordan would be cheek to cheek. And there would be no argument. I believe Michael had a just a hair more in, in the ability department than Kobe. But, Kobe but, but part of this who's the greatest argument has to include accomplishments. And accomplishments in 2000, should the Lakers have won an 04 and an 08, giving Kobe 7-0 in the finals, giving Kobe two wins against the Celtics, giving Kobe two three-peats, giving Kobe four titles in five seasons, and probably at least one more finals MVP. That changes his career uh, uh, resume into an area where you, you cannot legitimately argue that he isn't the greatest of all time at least the argument. You can't sit there and go, no, you're wrong. It's an opinion, but you can't really logically say that that's not one of the more accomplished decades for a player that you could ever see. Seven championships with two different dynasties, two two three-peats, one run that won you four out of five. You can't argue. Beating the Celtics twice, passing, you know, if, the, if you exclude the 80s, Redos of 84 and 89, you the Lakers passed the Celtics in those wins in championships. You're, you're you're not you can't really argue against how 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 valuable that is for for your career stat. So yeah, it's I can talk this all day. The what ifs what ifs are fun to talk about when it comes to sports. What ifs don't work on the real world because I think that's 
that I think that kind of gets in the way of your job. But when we're talking sports, I think there is a little bit of nostalgia there. There's a little bit of excitement and man, how different would it have been had it been like this? I think those 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 conversations are fun. One of my favorites, and I've mentioned this in shows in the past, uh, the NBA. I don't know why they haven't done more of these, but they had a uh, what if about Kobe should he have been drafted by the New Jersey Nets? And it's funny that they came out with that uh, a little bit after I had had a discussion with a friend of mine about what if we were able to teleport Kobe into that Knicks team in the 90s instead of John Starks? How different would that decade have been for the Bulls, the Knicks, or the NBA in general? That'd be a fun conversation. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible, it's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. It is Lakers Fast Break University. It's Gerald Glassford, Dean of All University Studies, along with Professor, tenured Professor Joe Soro of LakersBall.com. And of course, everything he does with Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Want to ask you though, you said 2010 is your most remembered. You think the best overall championship title run out of any of the Lakers 17 championships. I don't know if I, I say that is probably the quintessential championship run for the Lakers. There's just so many to choose from. I really think the uh, 11, I, to I, be, I, 11 to be exact, the last yeah 30, 34 years. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, the Lakers 2001 sorry, run. More than that, actually. I'm sorry, 44 years. Jeez, my math is bad. I mean, the Lakers 2001 run with them going with only one loss, the greatest, considered by many to be the greatest playoff run in history in any sports league. I don't know, man. That's going to be a hard one to beat. Very true. And I, I agree. I agree. And and it's not just that that playoff run. It's the entire year between or I should say almost 10 months of basketball. I've also talked about this in previous shows. The Lakers from the end of March to December of that same year, granted it was two separate seasons, lost two games, two games in a possible 41 meaningful games. That includes the playoffs, right? They went 8-0 to finish off that regular season, 15-1 to finish off the playoffs, and then started the following season, which was a championship season, 16-1. I don't think you'll ever I, – I know the Bulls were great in 2000 – I'm sorry, 1998, and I'm not going to argue that – the Bulls wouldn't win or lose, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. But I want you to just really see what what I just said. They played 41 games. Uh, for the last 41 or the 41 meaningful games. That's half an NBA season, guys. Half an NBA season, if in terms of a regular season, right? They went 39 and two. And they should have finished the 0-1 playoff run, 15-0, except for some idiot ref that called an offensive foul on Robert Ory when the Lakers were up five points with the ball in overtime. I will never forget that play. Never forget that play, because that actually might have cost us the, the undefeated record. Because AI came back on that next play, hit a three, and then the momentum started going Philly's way. However, I did. I do say this, considering what happened at the All Star Game that year, the the, the buffoons in, in in Philly booing their 
the guy they probably should have drafted, but no one wanted to take that chance, right? He was a high school kid. You don't want to do that, even though he was breaking Wilt Chamberlain records. They booed Kobe Bryant in the All-Star game, and they ended up watching every single Philadelphia uh, finals game with a Lakers W. And then the last one was a clincher in Philly. So in a lot of ways, I enjoyed seeing three straight games in Philly and the Lakers sticking it to them in all three games and the last one being the clincher. So they have to watch the Lakers celebrate on their own floor. Yeah, and the Lakers are 5-1 and one against Philly in the history of the NBA. They used to be the Syracuse Nationals, beat them twice in Syracuse, beat them three times in Philly, and then they got the little uh, – Bought little run in 83 when where they got hurt and they ended up picking up Moses Malone in the offseason that year and winning a title. And the only reason why I'm not too upset is I, I do have a lot of respect for Dr. J and I think he did. He was due to win a championship and, uh, and to some degree, looking at it from an objective standpoint, I was happy he was able to get one because he he is he encompasses everything you want. And, and, and someone who who was the trailblazer at the time of the of, of basketball and He's always had class. He's always represented himself well. He's represented New York, New Jersey, Philly, anywhere he's been. He's been an amazing ambassador to the game. I will say, though, as Knee Deep uh, actually is raising his hand from back in the corner right there at one of the desks right there, and we truly appreciate it, noting that 2003-2004 Kobe season had too much off-the-court distractions and the basketball gods would not allow for a Lakers title there. We all know what happened uh, on that one, obviously, with the matches. But also Detroit came in and just laid a defensive foundation against exactly everything that was going on that really helped to divide that team and obviously led to a lot of the issues that it did. But the, to knee-deep, the 1988 title was the best with three seven-game series, including the versus the Pistons, also culminating in a back-to-back, which I have a shirt up hanging right up there right now, from that era that uh, I don't know if I'll ever give up, but it's uh, looking at me right now. That is the the one that I guess that knee deep is saying, and that's actually a very good candidate. The only thing though is 15 and one. I still go back to 15 and one, my friend, as far as, uh, you know, 16 and one, excuse me, 16 and one. I still go back to that. because 15 one. I'm sorry. Yeah. 15 and yeah. one because of just the, because of the fact that it is just so hard to do. We've seen teams. Let's put use use the NHL with the Golden Knights. Congratulations, they just won theirs. You had the team with the best record in the history of the league in a regular season do the El Foldo Act in the first round. You saw in the NBA, you saw Boston and and obviously as well Milwaukee. Two of these teams, both fifty plus win seasons, both get knocked out by Miami and at times it wasn't even looking pretty and it just seems to me that in the clutch and in playoff performances you just need that type of of attitude that you can't get any other time during the year and to see the Lakers step it up with a 15 to 1 performance in the playoffs and like you said with the way that first game went down and it had to take a heroic performance by Allen Iverson plus like you said some stuff uh, chicanery go on just before that, but that heroic performance by Iverson, a Hall of Fame-worthy performance in order for them just to get that one game. I just think for me, without a doubt, it's that 2001 playoff run that stands out amongst the best. Beyond that last three months of basketball was the most enjoyable basketball I've ever watched. I was a little nervous in game three. I think that was probably the only game I was actually nervous. And then I realized Kobe just passed the Robert Ory. Robert Ory had a three to, you know, because that's what Robert Ory did. And I remember he turned around and pointed at one of the chumps that were probably talking smack to him. Once Lakers won game three, that was pretty much it. My, oh, yeah, it was all over. Yeah. Uh, all over. They went on to blow them, pretty much blow them out in four to five. And, I remember that series. I remember it, as soon as soon as you saw in that game three, it started to go sour. Yeah, that was it. Everybody and it was, was inevitable like, yeah. at the time. You don't realize it. You know, you do have to deal with Allen Iverson, and Allen Iverson might actually be underrated in terms of his ability to affect the game. 
it took a Hall of Fame performance just to get that one win. It really did. And it wasn't so much just the performance. We've seen a lot of guys score a lot of points and 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 lose. He he had something else there. He had a ability to scare people. When you scare people and you can score at will, there's your defense plays differently. Your mindset's different. It's not like they're sitting, oh, well, just let Allen do his thing and then we'll take care of everybody else. No. As soon as Allen knew he was going to get double teamed or the lane was going to get closed off, he was, he, he was always able to manage to get other guys involved and they were effective. That's, that's what the great ones do. They still are in some way helping the team win, not just with their individual skills. The most enjoyable run was in 2001. Uh, the most, <laughs> the most relaxed finals ever was 2002. Yeah, it was just almost an afterthought. But it was a beautiful series. I, I get laughed at a lot for this. I said, I want you guys to think about this for a second. We just endured a seven-game series that went into overtime. We were we were due a nice. Finals, yes, the ratings stunk. Probably the competition stunk, but I don't give a damn. When it's your team, you want it. You want a four-zero sweep every time, and it was just a nice feeling to just watch basketball for a week and a half and know that we're just waiting for the three-peat to finish. Kind of felt like watching the Niners in the late '80s, early night, early '90s, up until Dallas came. Yeah, you know, they just you just felt that. The Niners are going to win. <laughs> I just felt bad for Todd McCullough. Two straight times, you're like you're with two different teams. You think you're doing well, and you think your your team's going to the finals. Then you turn around and look at the other side of the court, and there's Shaq staring down at you. I, I seriously think that I don't think Todd looks at it that way. I think Todd goes, "Hey, I played against Shaq in back-to-back seasons like in the uh, finals," and I, and I believe Shaq did say something complimentary about him and said, "You know." Todd's a serviceable big, big. And Todd was very appreciative in his interviews of with, you know, Shaq saying he's a serviceable big. Uh, I feel bad for Todd. Todd was way, you know, not in any fault of his. It was <laughs> bad, bad place at the wrong time in those two years. Uh, kind of reminds me of Gail Gilbert, uh, backup quarterback for the Bills and the Chargers, uh, for those of you who don't know who that is, he was on all four, four. Buffalo Bills losses and then Scott Norwood. and then decided to go to San Diego in 94 where the Chargers met the Niners and lost the Super Bowl then. So Gail Gilbert was a five-time Super Bowl appearance player and lost all five. One thing I, I one thing I do want to say though, and Knee Deep did discuss this, and he did preference, you know, he did prefer the 1988 team. I will give it that it is probably one of the most exciting NBA final series. I think that that the Lakers have played that they ultimately won. I know the what we talked about 2010. You know, it went to a game seven, but that game seven was just so ugly to watch. From a basketball standpoint, the 1980 series, uh, close games almost pretty much throughout, and even went down to the final minutes and the final seconds of game seven on that one. Your thoughts on the 87 and 88 back to back series on that one? Well, 87 is arguably the best Laker team ever in terms of from beginning to end. It, it was loaded. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree because that was Magic's first MVP season. Uh, Magic tore the heart out of Boston in Boston with the baby sky hook. I remember. Uh, yeah, I would say the 87 88 run. I mean, I mean, let's let's you know, uh, people want to celebrate this, people out there that celebrate one title in their history. Here, we're compare, we can compare three, three. Separate times from 1988 to 2010. Which repeat team do you like? Do you like the 87-88 team? 
Do you like the 2000 to 2002 team? Hmm. What about the 09 2010 team? Isn't that kind of cool? Heck, you can even do the three-peat is technically two repeats, right? So you can talk double on that one. And I actually went back and looked at the Lakers' repeat numbers. So Boston won, if you look at it from a technical standpoint, they repeated seven times during that eight straight title run, right? That's considered seven repeats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they lost in 67, and then they won in 68 and 69. So they repeated eight times. Am I right on that? Uh, I think so. No, they lost to St. Louis. I'm sorry. They lost to the St. Louis Hawks in the finals in 58. So sorry about that. Let me let me get back to where they were before then. So, I'm giving you the G grade now. Sorry. Sorry. That was my, my mistake. They won in 59. They won in 57, won in 59 against the Minneapolis Lakers. That was the last time Minneapolis went to the finals before they went to L.A. So... 57 Celtics, 58 they lost, 59, 60, who was it in 60? I said, well, 59, 60. I think that's when it started, 59 to 66. Yeah, so seven, eight if you count 69, and that's it. They repeated eight times in their title runs. The Lakers... They had a back-to-back in Minneapolis and a three-peat. So back-to-back, you have one and then two and three for the three-peat. So remember that, three. Then they went back-to-back in 87-89-88. That's four. Then five and six in 01 and 02. And then seven in 2010. So right now, if you look at the history of repeats, Celtics are at eight. Lakers are at seven. Repeats as champions. The Lakers and the Celtics have more repeat titles than probably the entire league put together, except for the Warriors. Warriors have, no, seven. Yeah, so the Lakers have seven repeat titles. The next would be Golden State with seven titles. So that's just an astronomical freaking stat. I I, I know I kind of pulled that out of the air there, but... I'm a stat historian dork sometimes with this stuff. It sticks in my head. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it is the Lakers Fast Break. Welcome to Lakers Fast Break University. It is final exam time, and no better way to go ahead and celebrate the final exams with a exam on the NBA Finals. Looking forward to going ahead and having our graduation before the end of this month for our first set of graduates from Lakers Fast Break University. But before we do, obviously, it's finals exam time, and I wanted to go ahead in our last 20 minutes of class, wanted to go ahead and discuss a little bit more about some of the early days as far as the early championship runs for the Lakers that we often forget about because there was an early dominance by the Minneapolis Lakers themselves in 49, 50, 52, 53, and 54. And we always talk about the back-to-back in 87, 88. We always talk about the, the run in 2001, 2001, and 2002 for, for that three-peat in 2000 to 2002. And Obviously, the 2009-2010 back-to-backs as well. But we often forget how great the Minneapolis Lakers were back in 50, 52, 53, and 54 when they were on that run. And if they would have won in 51, because you've got a back-to-back there and a three-peat right after it. So that's five championships, my friend, in six years. Yeah, they lost to the 
then Rochester Royals, uh, which are now the Sacramento Kings. I unfortunately don't have enough memory or enough information to go back to that season and see what was going on. But more than more than any of that is, I believe the Lakers' worst finals loss might have been in 62. Because you had Frank Selvey miss an open jumper in regulation to with a shot of winning that game and beating the Celtics. And had Selvey made that shot, what 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 would happen after that? And that's how close it is. That's how close sports is. It's that one little thing that didn't happen or does happen that can change the course of everyone's career, everyone's life, everyone's franchise. Going back to the what ifs about the Nets, remember about Kobe and that show on NBA TV? Mm-hmm. If the Nets draft Kobe Bryant, the New Jersey Nets are still the New Jersey Nets. That's how that's how that changes. <laughs> uh, so looking back on the Minneapolis Lakers, which you know you you can't you can't always denigrate the past and what the rules were then and all that. I mean, the, the, you can't at the time you can't understand that you can't fix it now. You have to give due. If you don't think a player like George Mikan affected and progressed the NBA, then you're a fool. George Mikan helped the helped the league progress. It might not have been Magic Johnson, Larry Bird esque, or Jordan and the Dream Team, but he is a part of it in a little way. He was the biggest star of the NBA in the fifties. And he owned that decade until Wilt and Bill Russell came in. Then they owned the 60s. And then Kareem owned the 70s. And then Magic and Bird owned the 80s. Michael, the 90s. And in the 2000s, you can, if you want to talk about pure talent and accomplishment, Kobe Bryant. And then LeBron in 2010 with an honorable mention to Steph Curry. Because... That's just kind of how that played out. So the Celtics won all those titles with a league that only had eight to nine teams. But you'll never hear me say that those championships don't mean anything. I think it's short-sighted. It's selfish. it's, 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 It's saying that because it's not your team. Very similar to how a lot of people call the 2020 title a Mickey Mouse title. However, if it was your team who won it, you would be very, very, you'd be supporting the hat, the gear, the banner up in the rafters. I'm sure there's a less than 0.1% that anyone would actually say that about their own team. My 2020 Lakers World Championship jacket looks really damn good. I bet it does, and I, and I, I wish I had one. Uh, and I'm very proud to show it. was very proud to showcase it all throughout the Pacific Northwest recently, so... Anybody who has an issue with it, they can just, they know where to go. But Gary, that's a great question. I still uh, think they would be overwhelmed by MJ in my, 1991. The Lakers needed to win game three, and they got close. I think Worthy, and a healthy Worthy and a healthy Byron Scott likely gets them over the hump in game three. The only question is, does Michael Jordan go into supersonic mode and win the next three? He could taste it. He could smell it. And, uh, you know, we obviously see from the great player that he was. And you know, But Michael came. couldn't guard magic. They had to stick Pippen on him, right? Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I'd say Michael's probably still gets his. I still but, say he gets it. But you never know. I mean, you're still talking about Worthy, who's in the league eight years at that point. You can see, you, you don't say that he's washed up. Byron Scott got drafted in 83 he wasn't really washed up if they're healthy in those games what i don't know just but they had had already a lot of finals runs by that time yeah but like i like i said they're not they're not they're they're relatively young players at the time i think if you have a healthy worthy you have a healthy byron scott i don't believe we lose all three games in la 
They're least. both pushing 30 at that time, which is different than the 30 that you have now. 30, these days, players are able to last longer or be at a peak higher, I believe, due to... Yeah, but they, don't, and they, played, they played four season. I'm sorry, four, uh, yeah, four years. And load management. In college, which means they didn't play 82 games in those four years, or let's say those three years, if they're doing the one and done. So I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I, 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 that was the first heartbreak for me in all of sports for me. That 91 was the, the first time I saw my teams lose. Right. And, but again, it was, it was only the second finals season of one of my teams where I, I, I was paying, I was able to pay attention and know what was going on. It was nice to see that the win in game one, I, you know, Sam Perkins hitting the game winning three, uh, Jordan came back in game two and had a hell of a game. And then game three was neck and neck when in the OT and we lost. We win that game. It gets very interesting at that point. Maybe maybe Chicago presses a little bit. Maybe not not Jordan, but maybe the team does. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Once again, it is Lakers Fast Break University for Lakers History 101. Thanks so much for joining us and watching and listening. Please go ahead and subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. I know tomorrow Joe and I want to discuss some of the latest news and rumors in which you guys are also in the greatest chat room and classroom that's out there at Lakers Fast Break. I've been talking about in regards to Bradley Bill, Zion Williamson, and all the rumors and innuendo. We'll go ahead and talk about that on tomorrow's NBA observations. But... Before we head on out of today's class and final exams for the final time in the school session before graduation coming up here later this month, wanted to go ahead and get your thoughts on this. The Lakers, when you look at it as far as most appearances in an NBA final, the Lakers dominate that more than anyone else. I know the Boston Celtics are 17 out of 22. Well, before we head on out, my friend, though, it is uh, the Lakers of their 32 different appearances in the NBA Finals, 17 and 15. Which is the most heartbreaking to you? Heartbreaking Finals loss? Yes. Damn. Probably 04. Really? Yeah. I thought that was... When Fish Fish hit .4 and then I was in Vegas... For game six, watching, going back and forth, actually, watching the Antonio Tarver, Roy Jones Jr. 2 fight or the undercards. And then I was able to watch the fight, fight finished, and then I was able to get out in time to watch the Lakers close out San Antonio. Mm -hmm. I thought that was it. I thought the Lakers were going to win the 2004 title. They were, they did struggle against Minnesota, but they won it in six. And I, I, once they went into Detroit, I was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to smoke Detroit. And to see them get destroyed in a gentleman's sweep was a, was a real big shock. I will say, though, for me, I think the biggest heartbreak for me in the NBA Finals, I think it was, it was 2008, you know, because it renewed the rivalry, in my opinion, of the Lakers and the Celtics. I know it wasn't close, as close as I wanted it to be as far as the ultimate result, but... I thought that the Lakers, uh, you know, just not this this new revival rivalry revived as far as between the Celtics and the Lakers. Just the first shot going to the Celtics sticks to my craw even today. Yeah, the problem with that series was we were up twenty points deep in the third, and we still yeah. lost. Mm-hmm. That was at a time when those leads weren't really hard. They weren't hard to keep. They were easy. <laughs> Lakers tie that series where I'm confident we'll win game five and we're going to Boston up 3-2. Going up 3-2 and going to Boston, I believe Kobe Bryant goes into supersonic mode and says, I'm taking this home. And Boston would have been playing with a little with more fear versus going up there 3-2 and knowing that they have another game to close it out. It, it, I would say in terms of Kobe's legacy, that loss was worse because he three-peats twice. He beats Boston both times. The Lakers pass the Celtics. Well, you started title. hearing, again, the loud, uh, oh, you need Shaq in order to go ahead and, and take you all the way. Yeah, and that's that's usually said by numbskulls who just want to get under your skin. And then Kobe served 
a back-to-back dish up your ass with uh, back-to-back finals MVPs. So, I mean, it's Kobe Bryant, man. I mean, you're people who leave Kobe Bryant out of the best player ever conversation uh, shouldn't just shouldn't even talk. They should just go away. They have zero credibility in my book. You leave Kobe Bryant out of that discussion. You don't know jack squat about sports or basketball. You should go sit in a corner and I don't care who you are and I don't care how much money you make as a sports analyst. You're a clown. You, you should shut up. You shouldn't talk about basketball. And you know why? And you don't need to ask me. You don't need to talk to me. Go talk to guys like Chauncey Phillips, guys that have been there, guys that are Hall of Famers, guys that have won finals MVPs. Go talk to go talk to Durant. Go talk to Kevin Durant. Go talk to Kyrie Irving. Go talk to those guys, those, those guys that actually know how to play basketball, know how to do things on that court that no one else does. Why are they always mentioning him? Don't listen to me. I'm just more demonstrative because I think that I know – I know more than anyone that I ever run into about basketball, the, the, hist- the history of it, the games. Most of the people that are out there are box score whores. They look at box scores. They look at stats. They don't watch the games. They don't see how the game flows and how it works. They just look at the stats. They look at the box score. They'll watch a couple of clips of uh, Sports Center. They think they know what they saw. One last thing I want to touch on that concerns the NBA Finals is a team that's often overlooked. That we talked about the early history of the Los Angeles Lakers, but you know, you look at it, the, the titles that they won in the '50s, starting with in '49, the '50s. You talk about the titles that they won in the 2000s. Talk about the titles that they won in the 1980s, but a lot of people forget the title that they won in 1972. Tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on the 1972 team, how dominant they were at times, and obviously how much of the history books are written about that specific team. Well, the, the Elgin Baylor started that year and then retired, yeah. I think, a month in. And then Gail Goodrich got into the Hall of Fame because of that season. So he was the perfect complement to Jerry West's last good year. Wilt's last good year. You had a team that won 33 straight games and looked, I believe they lost to Milwaukee in game 34 and then went on to win 11 games straight. Imagine if they had beaten Milwaukee in that game. They would have ended up winning 45 in a row. Yep. I'm surprised looking on the schedule that year how they didn't win 70 games, winning 33 games. I just, I'm puzzled by that, especially considering the Bulls' longest winning streak during their 72-win season was 18. So that's kind of puzzling to me. However, they put everything together. They were able to muster what they needed to, and they ended up being the Knicks in five. The early 70s was a little disappointing, at least from watching the, or doing the research and understanding at the time. The Lakers blew the 69 final against the Celtics, should have won that series. But then the following year was worse in a lot of ways, losing to the Knicks in seven. And then they lost to the Knicks in five in 73. They should have won two out of those three series at the very least, or maybe all three. I don't think they had – I don't – you know, they just couldn't close it out at the time. They just couldn't. And it's just disappointing that – those were some lost opportunities that, that that could have added to the to the mantle, to the trophy mantle. 2000, actually, that when I think about the streak, the Lakers in 2000 won 19 in a row, 16 in a row, and 11 in a row. And Phil Jackson didn't let the Lakers go after 69 the last two games of the year. That's a bummer. It would have been nice to get 69 wins in 2000 and on, on route to a title, but uh, they went into overtime, I think against the Spurs and he just decided to sit all the starters. And then they lost the last game of the year against Dallas, which I was bummed. And even uh, the Sarge uh, got on Phil for kind of laying down. It's kind of like the first time you saw load management before it was called load management. Yeah. And 
it didn't really do the Lakers any good. They still had to go five against the, the Kings. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't matter at this point. It's just a record. But, you know, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to match the 69 at, uh, wins en route to a title. But I don't know. 72 team, I don't know enough. I didn't fall. Obviously, I wasn't born yet to to, to grab on to what was going on that year. But from everything I've read and everything I heard, that was the perfect season. That was kind of similar to what Denver's season was this year. Everything just clicked. Everything just worked. And I just wish they could have done it at least one more year and sent out Jerry and, and Wilt at the retirement with a, with a back-to-back title. Yeah, but unfortunately it flip-flopped for them and their fortunes against the Knicks the next season. So, Well, my friend, it's been a great time speaking to you about the NBA Finals. I'm glad that we could get this final exam in on the NBA Finals, seeing how the Finals recently ended with the Denver Nuggets winning their own. Only 16 more, and they'll go ahead and tie the Lakers and the Celtics, which I don't see happening anytime soon. But tomorrow, I know we're going to be addressing a lot of things going on in the NBA, my friend. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Yeah, uh, don't be surprised if the Celtic of the Nuggets are the 2011 Mavericks. I think the Jamal Murray yapping about how more titles are coming. Well, they good always luck. say that at the every Good year. luck. Good luck. You guys are going to likely rest on your laurels. You're not going to be able to retain everyone. I know Stan Kroenke is the owner. Uh, he's got more money than God. There's a possibility there, but he's still a businessman. First time they were over the cap. Yeah. So, and, you know, that's off to Stan Kroenke. I mean, in the last 18 months, he's won a Super Bowl, uh, a Stanley Cup, and a uh, NBA championship. I... You can't argue against it. You can't argue that this guy doesn't know how to win championships. <laughs> so you got to give him credit, especially uh, the Rams. The Rams were probably one of the worst teams to win a title that I can remember in years. Uh, ironically, probably. Well, not ironically, because actually the 99 Rams was not, not a bad team, but it was the most lousy team that to win a Super Bowl, at least from my memory. Um, the abs, geez, they, they'd been due for a while and they're, they're, there's a history there. And then Denver just put everything together this year and, and made it work. Uh, I don't see them doing it again next year, just because I think most, most of the time these guys sit on their accomplishments a little too long. And my hope is if that's the case, the Lakers can improve in the offseason enough to where they can salvage LeBron for, for an 82-game season long enough to, to, to get him fresh for the playoffs so that they can make one last run of the LA of the LeBron era and hopefully win. And I, I would be curious to, to, to know if – I don't think he would, but if the Lakers r- win it next year, could you see LeBron retiring on top? I could. But will he pass up $50 million in his final season? With his son. That's a good chance. That's a good thing. I, Those I, don't, are things. I, I don't know if he would. I don't think he would step away from $50 that's, million. that's it. Yeah. I, that's I think it's, what it's, he would do is I think he'd say, look, let me try to go get six and, and, and call it a career after that, regardless of what happens. But we'll talk about that even more over the course of the summer, all the options for LeBron and the rest of the Los Angeles Lakers as we head into a great offseason. Please join us again. If you have any Lakers fans in your life, please go ahead and let us know by going ahead and subscribing today and tell them to go ahead and be a part of the fun right here at the Lakers Pass Break. So for Joe Soro, Professor Joe Soro, it's Gerald Glass for Dean of all university studies here at Lakers Pass Break University. We thank you so much for watching and listening. Once again, it is Lakers Fast Break, Lakers History 101. We truly appreciate everyone being a part of class. Everybody here for final exams gets an A, and we'll see you at graduation right here at the Lakers.